Good morning, TRC. How are you guys doing this morning? Not too good. Good morning. Hey, uh, today we continue our series, a series called You. Uh, we're going to be looking at the number six. But before we get into it, man, I want to bring a, uh, a challenge, I guess. I need your help with something. I'll just, I'll just put it to you this way. I know, today, I know today we're low in attendance, and so it's hard to kind of look around and engage from today, but we really, we really, really need a bigger parking lot. I, just, I walked out there at, uh, during the last song. We have 13 spaces available. If you look around, I know I can count over 13 families that aren't here this morning. That means that when we're all here, that one time a month or whatever, any, anyways, that, that means when we're all here, That means we don't have enough space. If we don't have enough space for the people that we already have, that means we don't have enough space for you to bring your friends and for you to bring your family. And I do not like that. Listen, I I believe, I, I don't know how you feel. I don't know why you get up and come here every Sunday morning. But I believe that God moves here. I believe that God has done a work in so many people's lives. I believe that God is going to continue to do that. And we need to make space for them. Would you guys agree with that? So this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. I'm going to ask you guys to pray. We're not going to pick up an offering today or anything like that, but we will uh, in two weeks. And this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do. I'm going to ask you guys to pray about an amount that God will lay on your heart. Now, I'm asking you to pray. I'm not asking you to think about it. I'm asking you to pray about it. I'm asking you to just really go to God and say, God, how much can we give? How much can we do to help this project, to extend the parking lot so that other families can come to know you, so that other families can know the hope that we have found in you. Would you guys do that for me, please? Amen. Would you guys please pray about it? Just take this this week. Next week, I'll talk about it again. And then the next week, that's whenever we're, we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger on this thing. Would you guys do that for me? Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> so open up your Bibles, Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Today we talk about the loyalists. Last week we talked about the observer. And uh, it was, uh, I'm going to be honest, it it was a little bit more fun than what the loyalist is going to be. But just a fun little fact. So there are fewest, there are the fewest amount of number fours, uh, uh, the individualists, and there are any other number on the Enneagram. And there are the most amount of sixes, there are more sixes than any other number. There are more loyalists than any other number. Um, a few things to know about the loyalists is, is number one, they are, any, can anybody guess what they might be? A loyalist might be what? They, they're loyal. Very, 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 very loyal. You know that, that one person that just won't get out of the relationship? Like, so I don't, I don't know their names, I'm sorry, but, but the dude from the notebook, he was a loyalist. He should have left that relationship about 30 minutes into the movie, he should have he should have been gone out of there. See you later. And listen to me, ladies. Listen, I, I know you guys love to watch the movie and you cry and it's so sweet. But if that was your baby boy, you'd be saying, get out of that thing, son. Come on. Come on. Give me some. Oh, whatever. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help these sinners. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He was a loyalist. He should have been out, or in my opinion, he should have been out of that relationship a long time ago. But man, he stuck, he sticks with her. And that's why you ladies like to watch it and you like to cry. And 
is at the very end. She doesn't remember who he is, but there he is whispering into her ear. Or that's what people told me that the movie, I don't know. I've never watched myself. Anyways, he was a loyalist. So a loyalist is someone who's going to stick through it, man. They are, they are compassionate. They're, they're obviously, they're very loyal and they stick with you. Once you, if you have a number six for a friend, you more than likely have a friend for a lifetime unless you just completely mess things up, man. They are going to stick around. The downside to the number six, and we're going to be looking at it today, is they are fearful. And this is why if you watch the media, if you watch the news, they know how to grab our attention because they feed us fear. Oh, everything's exploding and the ozone layer is going to, you know, they feed us fear. And everything that is sold to us on the media and on the news is revolving around fear. Even, even whenever our, uh, politicians want to be elected they're not coming across as listen to how good i am they're saying man if you elect the other person you're going to hell you guys with me in the 80s the big camp uh the big, big camp revivals and man they weren't preaching about how good jesus is and how good god is and and how much better he can make your life he was they were saying you are a sinner and you're going to hell And so I hear these people crying, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. But then it didn't change anything. It didn't change their lives. It didn't change the way they lived. It didn't change the way they treated their families. It didn't didn't change anything except for the fact that they were afraid to go to hell. So there are more number sixes than there are any other number, man. And and fear is very, very real. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. uh, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 22 through 33. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. Verse 27, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Peter is a number six. Peter was a loyalist. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was, what was he? He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And they, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much this morning for your presence in this place. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. We ask you, God, that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. Lord, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. So Peter is a loyalist. Peter is a number six. A few other things that you need to know about Peter is, is uh, one day Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's just, he's, he's basically, he's prophesying to them. He's letting them know what's going to happen in the future. And Jesus is letting them know, hey, one day I'm going to be betrayed. And when I'm betrayed, I'm going to be taken into prison. I'm going to be beaten and I'm going to be killed. And Peter steps up and you know what Peter says? Peter says, over my dead body, there's no way I would ever allow anything like that to happen to you. And Jesus, Jesus actually rebukes him because Jesus is trying to explain to him what God's will is. And Peter doesn't understand that. But Peter, again, the loyalist in him coming out and saying, man, I will be there. And when that night did come. When, the, when, when Judas did come and betray Jesus with the kiss and the Roman soldiers began to overtake him, you know who the only one was that actually stood up for Jesus? You know who it was? It was Peter. Peter takes out a knife or a sword and he tries to hack a guy's head off. He misses and he cuts his ear. And then imagine, could you imagine, you're defending your best friend, okay? You're, you're on the playground and... Bullies are circling your friend and they're calling them names. And before any of them can take a swing at your best friend, man, you pop one right in the nose and you bloody his nose. And then your friend says, why did you just hit him? And then goes and hugs him. Could you imagine? We're like, what? So I can imagine Peter like, what is going on? And so then Peter allows the Roman soldiers, they they take Jesus, they take him into prison for a few days. Most of us know the story. For a few days, man, Jesus is beaten, he's mocked. They put a crown of thorns on him. And then a couple of days later, as Jesus is carrying that cross up that hill, and Jesus is, or, or, or Peter is kind of watching at a distance. And then somebody comes up to Peter and says, man, I, you seem familiar. You look, you, you, you look like one of them. You talk like one of them. Peter's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. I don't know the man. I'm just here for the show. And, and, and kind of just brushes it off. Then another person and then another person. And then Peter ends up cussing. And, and then the rooster crows. And Peter's reminded that Jesus actually told him that he would actually deny him. You guys remember that? And so there's these stories, and then in this story, man, uh, Jesus is walking on water. This, this, this kind of does blow my mind just a little bit because you, you've been walking with Jesus. You know what happened just, just that day before Jesus walked on water? You know what, what Jesus had just done? The miracle of feeding the 5,000. So can you imagine? So Jesus is preaching, and right before sunset, he goes ahead and he takes this little uh, kid's um, silver John's whatever John, long John Silver's that's what it is long John Silver's little basket with three bit three, a couple of biscuits a couple of, of uh, fishes and he multiplies it and he feeds 5,000 people the disciples watched that man and not only did they watch it they were a part of it because it was disciples that was handing it out to the people they just experienced that. Now they're out in the middle of the sea. They know Jesus isn't with them. They know Jesus said he was going to meet them on the other side. And they see this person walking on water. And what's their first guess? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And they freak out. And then Jesus calls out to them and says, man, I'm not a ghost, you bunch of morons. I'm Jesus. I'm the guy that's been with you for the last couple of years. Did you? And Peter says, man, if it's really you, why don't you call me out to you? 
And then Peter steps out of the boat. Could you imagine how much faith, how much courage that took for Peter to take, take a step out of the boat? And he t- takes a step out of the boat, and then he begins to walk on water. But, but then the Bible tells us, man, he, takes, he kind of starts to look around at his surroundings, and he notices that the waves are actually bigger once he's out of the boat than when he was in the boat. And the wind is actually blowing a lot harder than what he thought it was, and he begins to sink. And then most pastors, and, and myself included, will, will, take, uh, will take this scripture, will take this passage, and we'll talk about how we should have more faith than what Peter did. But this is what I want you to understand, guys. So Peter is a number six. He's a loyalist. And all of these times that people like to criticize Peter for his maybe lack of faith, for his lack of understanding, for, for denying Jesus, for not understanding God's plans, and for taking his eyes off of Jesus. But a question that I want us to ask ourselves is, is where are the others? Where are the other 11s? While, while, while Peter is there in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea, uh, while Jesus is being crucified and Peter's there maybe watching at a distance, but where are the other 11? You see, everybody else has, has walked away. Everybody else has left. Everybody else is hiding. Everybody else is afraid. See, the loyalist, the number six, reflects God's faithfulness. And Peter was there to the very end. Maybe he, was, maybe he was fearful, maybe he was afraid, and maybe he was hiding a bit, but he was at least there. Whenever, whenever Jesus was walking on the water and everybody else is calling him a ghost, himself included, everybody else wanted to stay safely on the boat, but it was Peter who stepped out. When, when the Roman soldiers did come to overtake Jesus, it was Peter who actually stood up and said, man, I'll step up for you. I'll help you. I'll protect you. I'll stand by your side. The loyalist, the number six, reflect the faithfulness of God. And as faithful as as Peter is and as faithful as a loyalist is, man, I want you to know that God is even more faithful. The Bible actually tells us that, that when we are faithless, in other words, when we take our eyes off of God, when we turn our backs on God, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. The beautiful thing about you, number six, is, is that you reflect the faithfulness of God. You stick with it. You make excellent, excellent friends. If you have, again, if you have a friend who is a, who is a loyalist, if you have a friend who is a number six, man, treat them right. Don't, don't take it. I'll get into that later, but don't take advantage of them, man. Treat them right. The core motivation of the number six is to be safe and to avoid risk. To be safe and to avoid risk. Their desire is to see the world or to make the world a safer place. That's what the number six does. That's what the loyalist does is they want to see the world being a safer place. They want to, they want to feel safe. They want to make other people feel safe and make sure that they are in a safe environment and they avoid risk. Now the bad part, when unhealthy, when they start to walk away from God, when they're not uh, focusing on their relationship with God, what they'll begin to see is only potential risk and danger. When unhealthy, they only see potential risk and danger. And this is a bad thing because, listen, what a number six will do when they're unhealthy, when they're not, when they're not focusing on Jesus, when they're not focusing on God, when, when they're not spending time in their walk with God, when they're unhealthy, then they won't see opportunities. They'll see 
a chance to fail. When they're unhealthy, they won't, they won't, they won't even take on new relationships. They won't, they won't gain new friendships because they're afraid to get hurt. And when unhealthy, when unhealthy again, they don't, they don't, uh, they won't seize opportunities that are given to them. They, they won't, they won't, uh, uh, see, uh, yeah, just see opportunities. That's, that's, I guess that's the best way to put it. They won't see opportunities. What they see is they see risk and they see danger. You guys with me? And they start to bec- become afraid of everything. And, man, and listen to me. More than likely, every single one of us have a little bit of number six in us. I remember uh, it's been a couple of years now, but any of y'all ever been to Sheep's Den? Ever been to Sheep's Den? Beautiful, beautiful place on the Costot River. If you've never been, you need to do yourself a favor and you need to go this summer. So a couple of years ago, uh, before my wife was pregnant with our second child, um, me, my wife, and Zion, we go out to Sheep's Den. And so I'm carrying Zion, you know, up and down the rocks. You know, if you've ever been, you know how you got to climb up and down. And uh, there's this one rock. I don't know what that I don't know if it has a name, but there's like this one rock that everybody likes to jump off of. I don't know. it. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's 150 foot up the, in the air. It's probably only like 10, maybe. But it seems like it's forever up in the air. And so I'm kind of swimming across the river. Me and a few other people, uh, Josh was there. And me and a few other people were swimming across the river. We're climbing up this rock and we're jumping. And after I jump off, I, I come across a Zion which Zion is in his little, uh, he's got a little shark vest on. And Zion's like, he didn't tell me because he couldn't speak correctly, but, but he's basically telling me, man, I want to jump. I want to jump. I want to jump. And Lorena's freaking out. And I think it's kind of funny. So I'm like, okay, son, let's, let's just swim across there. Let's, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make him climb all the way up the rock. By the time we get up all the way up to the top, he's going to look down and he's going to be like, uh, uh. So I thought this will be fun. This will be neat. So I take my time, you know, make him climb. I didn't carry him up that rock. I make him climb up the rock and we get up to the very, very top. And I am, I've got a death grip on his hand because I'm afraid he's going to slip. And we get up to the very top and I tell Zion, hey, go ahead, look over. And so he peeks over the rock, you know, 272 yards down to the water. And I say, you want to jump? And he looks at me, he goes, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, what in the world? I'm, no, 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 there's no way. So then we, we go about halfway down and I'm like, Zion, are you sure you want to jump? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'd like, I'd, I'll throw him off this rock. It was two years ago. You can't turn me into child protective services anymore. I throw him off this rock. Obviously, he floats. My kid's still alive. Uh, he, he comes up to the top, and man, he has got this huge grin. Well, we had a video of that. And so I sent it, and like, I'm so proud of my son. Like, my, my, my son is so, he, he, he doesn't know what fear is. And so I sent a video, not to everybody, because I don't want to get turned into Child Protective Services. So I, I send a video into my family, and, I, and, and like my dad and my mom, my brother and my sister watching, and they're like, whoa, my goodness. And then my dad calls me, and he's like, you can't do that, son. Like, you, you can't be doing that. And he says, you got to, he says, he says these words to me. He says, man, you got to teach him to be afraid of some of those things. And I remember when he told me that, man, I kind of, I just, I just thought for a little bit. And I said, dad, I don't think so. I said, fear is so natural 
to everyone. I don't want to teach fear to my son. I don't want him to learn to be afraid of things because of me. It's going to come to him naturally. One day he's going to look up there and say, heck no, I ain't doing that. But for right now, I'm not going to teach it to him. You see, and, and listen to me. All of us, again, all of us have a little bit, more than likely, a little bit, number six. There's some of you that maybe you aren't afraid of anything, a few of you. But most of us, a lot of us, sometimes fear does cripple us. Sometimes fear does keep us from, from making the right decisions, the decisions that are progressive, the decisions that are going to move us forward, the, the, the decisions that are going to launch us into our future because all we see is the, the opportunity or the potential for failure, the risk and the danger involved, and we don't see the opportunity that God is given, giving us. You guys with me so far? So the core sin is fear. The core sin is fear. So when Peter, again, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus when he's walking on the sea with Jesus. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. And what does he start to look at? He starts to look at the risk and he starts to look at the danger. And it's then when he begins to sink. You see, the core sin is fear. And maybe some of you, you didn't even realize that fear is a sin. But I want you to go with me. Go with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And I want you guys to highlight this in your Bibles. 2 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy is going to be in the New Testament. You just keep on going to the right. You'll run into it. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to underline that, uh, highlight it but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The reason, the reason that sin is a fear is because God did not design us for fear. God did not design us to, be, to, to make fear a part of every decision, a part of everything that we do, because this is what happens to the unhealthy, number six, when they allow fear to control their life, is their life becomes dictated by fear and by anxiety. By fear and by anxiety, man. And I believe, man, this is, we live in a generation because of all of the uh, technology that is available to us. We fear, we live in such a fearful and such an anxious generation. You know, I remember whenever I was a kid before YouTube and all of those things, man, I remember I would go, I would leave the house in the morning and I would just follow the creek down and I mean, and when, when it was time to come home for lunch or for dinner or whatever, my mom would drive around the roads honking the horns and then I'd come running to her car. Like that's the way I, I live my life as a little child. Now, today, no way in the world I'm letting my son do that. There's way, there's snakes out there. There are bears, whatever that godforsaken sound was that I heard back in November. That thing's out there still. There's no way I'm allowing my child to do that. And you know why? Because I've watched too many videos of kids getting hurt. You guys with me? We watched that one video of that one kid who fell and nobody heard him or, or whatever. What? It's on the news every other day how somebody got lost, how somebody got hurt. And so we live in such a fearful and such an anxious generation because we've all heard of how somebody else, of what happened to somebody else. You guys with me? 
And so we become a little bit, they, they, they call us helicopter parents, where we just hover over our children, and we don't let them do anything because they might get hurt. You guys with me? Yeah? Now you got to like, anybody ever child-proofed your home? I remember, I remember whenever Lorena was pregnant with our first child, a couple came over and they're like, just like looking around the house like, that's not safe, that's not safe, that's not safe, that's not safe. You're going to have to change that. You're going to have to change that. And I'm just like, like I, I've, I've got a motto, okay? I've, I've, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying this is right. But this is just kind of a, 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 a philosophy that I live by is, is they only do it once. They only do it once. So like my dad comes over and he's like, man, you got to put something over, uh, over the fireplace and not they can't. I'm like, they only touch it once. If they touch it, it'll only be once. I promise you, it'll, it'll just be once. Oh, you can't let them, they're going to climb up. The, it, hey, if they climb up and fall, it's only going to be once. Now that philosophy sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't. My, my little girl seems to do things more than once. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what her deal is. But we live, again, we live in such a fearful, such an anxious Day and time, man, and we cannot allow, listen to me, if you are a number six, if you're a, a, a big number six, a heavy number six, listen to me, do not allow fear to be a part of your decisions. Do not allow it to, to di- dictate and determine the way that you live your life. You will not experience, Jesus says that he came to give us not only life, but a life in abundance, and you will not, you cannot live life, you cannot experience the life that Jesus came to give you if you allow fear to be a part of every part of your life. You guys with me? Don't allow it into your decision making. Don't allow it into your family. So biblical truths to pursue. Number one, uh, First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. Now listen to this. This is, this is so awesome right here. So let me give you a little bit of backstory. So David, David wanted so bad to build a temple for God, basically a church, a house of worship for God. But God told him, you can't do it. And, and, and David was a man that, the, that God described was a man after his own heart. And God told David, you can't do it because you've got too much blood on your hands. David was a warrior, man. David killed, I mean, David was a beast man he was a warrior and so God said you can't do it but your son Solomon will and so David in this in these scriptures man he's trying to encourage Solomon listen God has appointed you to build a temple God wants you to be a part of that God wants you to lead this effort and Solomon is a little bit hesitant Solomon is a little bit fearful Uh, uh, Solomon was probably a number six and listen to what David says First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. If you are a number six, you've got to understand this. God is with you, and he will never, ever leave you. If you're a number six, if you're a loyalist and you're afraid that God might have forgotten about you, you're afraid that God might have left you, you're afraid that God might not forgive you, you're afraid that God might not love you, listen to me, God is with you. God is with you and he would never, ever leave you. 
Number two, Psalms chapter 91 verse two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Number two, learn to trust in God and his gifts. Learn to trust in God and his gifts. Listen, a gift that that you loyalists have, a gift that you number sixes have is you're actually a really good judge of character. So after spending some time with someone, you can kind of uh, uh, you can kind of judge their character. You can you can kind of say they're not a very good person or they're a great person. God has placed that inside of your heart. And I want you, I want you to understand and I want you to know, man, you need to trust God, trust in God, and then also trust in the gifts that he has given you. Trust in God and then trust in the opportunities that God opens up for you. Trust in God and trust in the relationships that God puts in your life. Trust that God is with you. Listen to me. Some of you, some of you want to serve so bad. Some of you want to get involved in the church so bad, but you're afraid. You're afraid that maybe you're not good enough. You're afraid that, that you won't be able to handle it. You're afraid that you'll mess it up. You're, you, for whatever reason, you're just not trusting in the talents that God has placed in your heart. And let me tell you, number six is loyalists. We need you. As a church, we need you. We need your faithfulness. We need your loyalty. We need you to serve in the church so faithful as you would do it if you would just not allow fear to take over. Are you guys with me? Trusting God and the gifts that he's given you. Number three, never give up on the gift of loyalty. Proverbs chapter three, verse three and four. I'm reading the New, New Living Translation says this. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. You will earn a good reputation. Never, ever give up on the gift of loyalty. Again, you're a loyalist. God has given you the gift to be loyal to people. And here, listen to me, and, and, and I kind of want to apologize to you on behalf of everybody. As a loyalist, it's going to be very hard-pressed for you to find somebody who's going to be as loyal to you as you are to them. And that's whenever it gets hard. As a loyalist, as a number six, you're going to be faithful. You're going to be honor. You're going to honor. You're never going to. You're never going to lie. You're, you're not. You're going to be honest. You're going to be compassionate, and it's going to be hard because you are a number six. Because that is in your blood. Because it is in your heart. Because God uh, made you that way. It's going to be hard for you to find somebody who's going to give everything or give as much as what you give to them. Listen to me. Do not give up on the gift of loyalty. Don't, don't retreat into your shell. Don't, 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 uh, yeah, don't retreat into your shell. Don't shun away and don't sabotage relationships because you're afraid of getting hurt. You guys listen to me. You guys follow me? Don't sabotage relationships. Don't walk away from relationships. Don't, don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't keep yourself away from certain people. Don't distance yourselves from those that you love just because they're not maybe responding in the same way that you would. And this is, this is one of the things that the loyalists will say is, I would have never said that to you. I would have never done that to you. I would have never talked about you that way. 
You guys with me? Those are phrases that the loyalists will say, and then they'll retreat into their shell. Do not, listen to me, do not give up on your gift of loyalty. Continue to be loyal, even if they don't reciprocate, even if they're not as faithful or or as loyal as what you are, even if they're not as nice, even if if they're not as giving and as good or or whatever whatever you want to call it. Don't give up on your gift of loyalty, man. God created you that way. Don't give up on it. Don't run away from it. How to love a number six. Four things. How to love a number six. And, and, and if, you, if you have a good friend who is a number six, you guys need to keep up with these. If you're married to a number six, if, you're, if you have a parent, if you have a child as a, that is a number six, listen to me. Number one, tell the truth even when it's not easy. Tell them the truth even when it's not easy. Here's the thing, again, about a loyalist, man, is they're afraid of being hurt. And if you lie to them, then all you're going to do is, is, is they're going to believe, man, everybody is this way. Everybody hurts us. Everybody lies. Everybody, whatever. Tell them the truth, even when it's not easy, even when you think it's going to hurt, man, I think the loyalists, for the most part, they will just be grateful that you didn't lie. Tell them the truth, even when it's not easy. Number two, thank them for their loyalty to you. Appreciate them. Let them know, man, I'm so thankful for how loyal you are to me. I'm thankful that you stick it out with me. Guys, you ever had a friend like that? When everybody else left, they were still there? You need to thank that friend for not giving up on your crazy self. You need to give them a gift card. You need to give them a hug. You need to let them know, man, thank you for your loyalty. That one person that sticks around even when you're wrong and even you know you're wrong, but they're still right there. Man, give them a hug. Let, get, let them know, man, I am thankful for your loyalty. Number three, and this is where it might get a little bit difficult. Number three, lovingly correct them when they are paranoid. Again, the number six, when they're unhealthy, they're fearful, and they start to get paranoid, and they think everybody's out to get them. You know, most of these videos that you see of, of, of uh, what, what, what's it called, man, uh, Oh my gosh, I just lost the word. Anyways, they think everybody is out to get them. They, they think that everybody is, is plotting against them and they get paranoid. Again, they, begin, they, they become fearful of everyone and of everything and they think everything is, is you know, designed to hurt them and to be against them. We've got to, if, if you love a number six man, lovingly correct them and say, is that really the way it is or is that just the way you're making it seem? Now, did, when they said that, did they really mean that? Or, you know, this, this is what an unhealthy number six, listen to me, an unhealthy number six will read way too much into a little phrase that was said. You guys with me? And they'll, and they'll think that, oh, well, they said that because of, like, and, and it, can be, it can be something so simple and something so small like because you said hello today and not hi or hey. Or you texted them and you usually say hey with an exclamation point and this time you just said hello. And they're like, oh, they're mad. They're, 
You guys, like they'll, they, they'll, they'll get a text, they'll hear someone say something, and they read way too far into it. And you're like, I just said, hey. I just meant hello. I didn't mean anything else other than what came out of my mouth. And if you love a number six, you've got to be able to read that when they're acting that way. And you've got to say, man, they're not out to get you. They're not mad at you. They're not disappointed in you. They're not frustrated. It's okay. Don't read too much into it. We've got to lovingly correct them when they get a little bit paranoid. And number four, we've got to encourage them to be courageous. Encourage them to be courageous. Encourage them to, to do something spontaneous every now and then. Encourage them to do something that, that might present just a little bit of risk, that might present just a little bit of danger. Encourage them to do something different. Encourage them to do something that's outside of their comfort zone. Encourage them to be just a little bit courageous. So David, David in this scripture that we just read, man, David is encouraging Solomon. He's saying, you can do it. Take, be of courage, take good courage, be of good cheer. And David says, just do it. Maybe that's where Nike got it from, I don't know. He says, just do it. Build the temple, man. Solomon, listen, Solomon could have missed out on one of his greatest adventures, on one of his greatest accomplishments if it wasn't for David encouraging him. If you know a number six, if you love a number six, encourage them. They're afraid to do something. They're afraid to, to step into that promotion. They're, they're afraid to start serving or they're afraid to, to uh, continue with that friendship or, or whatever it is, man. Encourage them to just step out in courage in this, to step out in faith. Encourage them to trust in God and in the gifts and the talents that he has placed in their lives. Encourage them to just keep moving forward. Encourage them to take a step of courage. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. We thank you, God. God, I want to thank you for the loyalists that you've placed in my life. I want to thank you for the, for the number sixes that, that are here in this church. It's the number sixes that are here week after week after week after week. So number six is that are loyal and that will stick it out with the church, that will stick it out with me. And God, I just want to thank you again. I thank you, God, for the number sixes that you place in my life. Thank you for their loyalty. Thank you because they are reflecting your faithfulness. So the prayer, the prayer for you. The prayer for you, number six, is God, help me to be faithful to you. Help me to trust you even when people who speak for you are not trustworthy. Help me to take courage every day. Help me to rest in your power and trust in your goodness. Help me to pursue courage, trusting you, ourselves, and others. enjoyed the podcast today. If this has impacted you and you would like to help us to continue to reach others, please text GIVE to the number in the description. For more information about us and our ministry, go to theremodeledchurch.com.